Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Ryan Weimer. I have been hunting him down to be on this podcast for months and months and months and months. You guys are going to see this guy went from engineer to full-time real estate investor who is absolutely crushing the market in Boise. He's adjusting for uh, new developments. He's doing new construction. He's a wholesale master. He's a lead generation master. He lives in London, and he's doing deals in Boise. Colorado, then moved to California, built a team underneath him of VAs, acquisition managers, lead managers, and built systems and processes from his background as an engineer to put people and processes in place to be able to be on top of his business, make a ton of active and passive income through flipping, buy and holds, creative financing, subject twos, all kinds of different stuff from single family to multifamily, but still be plugged into his business and be able to live wherever he wants and enjoy his life, which was always his goal. How do I get my time back? And again, this is a guy that was making good money, six plus figures, traveling the world, had good status, but just wasn't getting that fulfillment. Didn't like the fact that he still had somebody he could answer to. Didn't like missing holidays or being at the beck and call of somebody else and really wanted to take charge and make his own decisions in life. So he invested in himself. He started surrounding himself with other people. We've been in a lot of the same coaching programs. We've run in a lot of the same circles. So I know a lot of the people that has been uh, along the way. And I thought it was really cool to hear his journey because I listened to a lot of old podcasts with him as well. And hearing him go from somebody who was kind of just starting out to somebody who was just getting his feet wet to somebody who was just starting to get consistency and then going from like a deal a month to like a deal a week to what he's doing now has just been incredible. So in the age of social media podcast, so much information out there. We discuss what to focus on, shiny object, object syndrome, where should you start now? How do you position yourself to protect yourself from a difference in the market? What's the best strategies you should be doing in this changing market? And what are some ways to protect yourselves from some of those risks as well? Um, so we talk about all those things, some tips to uh, investing remotely, who you should be hiring, who should be on your team, how often you should be doing things for ongoing and onboarding support, all kinds of great stuff. I had a million questions for Ryan, but unfortunately, we only had an hour of his time, and I uh, valued every single minute of it. So I'm sure you guys are going to get a ton out of this. Very analytical guy. I love that type of brain for this business. So check the show notes. Follow Ryan. You will not miss his Instagram. You, only, you will not regret following him on Instagram. He's got great content. He's got great visually stuff. It's also A plus on it. He definitely brings his A game to the social media stuff. So check him out. Follow him as well as follow us. So when you go on nicknick.com slash links, you will see all the ways to subscribe to this podcast. You can basically find it anywhere, including YouTube. So anywhere you watch or listen, please subscribe to the A-Game podcast. If you like the stuff we've had on, if you like the guests, you can also leave a review or a five-star rating. And that really goes a long way for the algorithm. It only takes a minute or two to do. I would really appreciate it. Also, while you're on nicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, you can also see all the ways to follow us on social media, from Facebook to YouTube to TikTok to Instagram to all the different places that you can go on social media. I always post clips after the show of the guests. So please, the fee for this show to continue to bring on A-level guests that are bringing you high-end stuff to help make you money faster and save you time for free 
is just to interact on social media. So when I post the clips for Ryan, again, you guys are scrolling on social media all day anyway. Please just jump on, like the post, share the post, tag the post, give a little fist bump, give a little A-OK, a dollar sign, a hundred, something. So Ryan knows you guys watch, you guys appreciate the information he's giving, and that way we continue to have these guests on. You can also go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for a free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers, whether you're a real estate wholesaler, real estate agent, or real estate broker. And last but certainly not least, I want to do more real estate this year with you guys. So please text me. If you are looking to discuss investing on some level, text me directly at 516-540-5733. Again, 516-540-5733. Text the word real estate, and then we can discuss, do you want to buy properties from me? Do you want to sell properties to me? Or you don't even know where you want to start. You just want to have a conversation and see how maybe we can work together, partner together. I am all for it. Text me directly, 516-540-5733. Thank you for listening and supporting the A-Game Podcast. Thank you so much for Ryan Weimer for coming on, dropping a ton of knowledge and being so awesome coming on and sharing his story. Definitely check him out. You will love this episode. A-Game Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. All right. My guest today is a former engineer fighting out of London today by way of Colorado and California. And he worked his way out of his nine to five by establishing systems and processes and breaking into remote markets to find on and off market deals, build a team underneath him, and surround himself with some of the absolute best masterminding coaches in the business. He has used time-tested principles to write down and achieve his goals and obtain the quality of life, be a go-giver, and travel the world while making active and passive income through wholesaling, flipping, rental properties, and even creative financing strategies like Sub2 that we will definitely talk about today. His social media is out standing. I will definitely put links in there. You guys got to be following him on social media. I've been wanting him on the show for a very long time. He's been featured on such amazing podcasts as Wholesaling Inc. and Real Estate Disruptors with friend of the show, Steve Trang. He's also now coaching and helping others do the same and hit their real estate and financial goals. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast, way overdue, Mr. Ryan Weimer. Thank you for being here today, sir. Hey, I appreciate you for having me. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> You have quite the backstory, man. It was uh, It's hard to condense it into just a few bullets, but for people who might not be 100% familiar with you yet, can you give a little bit more of a backstory on who you are and where you came from? Sure. Um, I, I guess I was raised, uh, fortunately, to be born in the U.S., right? Uh, so won the lottery there and in, in an upper middle class family. Like I went to, it was all about either being a lawyer, doctor, engineer, or something to better yourself. And my parents you know, they, they didn't really push that per se, but like, that was, that was the, the a game. Like that was the, that was the path, right? That was how you get wealthy. That's how you live the life you want. So I was never exposed to anything else, not, not even sales. Um, so I, I went to school and I, you know, I started off as an engineer and it was great for a little bit, but I, I started getting annoyed pretty quick that my output level was this and my, a lot of my peers was this, but they were making more money than me. And I just, I didn't understand that at all. Um, and again, this is me not even knowing sales exists, right? Where like you can get paid equal to what you produce. I didn't even know that that was the thing. So <laughs> I, I started having this, I was like 25, 26, like, is this really what it's going to be like for the next 30 or 40 years? This is horrible. Um, cause nobody had really explained to me what that corporate environment was going to be like. And it was just so draining and just soul crushing to have the monotony of doing the same 
thing every day and only getting your three to 5% raise. And on a good year, you get a 10% raise for until you're 65. And I was just like, this is, there has to be something else that I'm missing here. And, and sure enough, there was. And once you're exposed to the right, you're in the circles with the right people and you're exposed to the right stuff and you start getting educated and start taking action, you realize there's this whole nother sphere of people and, and uh, just, just a really invigorating, inviting culture of entrepreneurship where you can, you can just go on your own path, do whatever you want in life. And I didn't even know that was possible before. So um, it actually took me, like most people with golden handcuffs, it took me to get fired to really have my back against the wall and take action. So uh, take significant action, I would say, like really go all in. Because I was, I was double dipping for three or four years. I was working my engineering job and started getting educated with real estate on, on building some passive income. So I was... That's that's a really easy step for a lot of people is you don't need to go in cold turkey right away. Double dip for as long as you can. If you have if you have that fear of risk and you don't really fully believe in yourself yet, because that's really what entrepreneurship is about. Like, are you betting on yourself or are you putting your hands in? Uh, you know, are you putting your life in the hands of the government or your 401k or a company that doesn't give a crap about you? That's really what it comes down to. So if you need a few years to build up that confidence to bet on yourself financially, mentally, spiritually, then do it. I love that, man. I think that that, uh, that checks a lot of boxes for different routes we can go down. One of them is that I always think it's, it's interesting. I tell people, if I can have one person listen to this podcast and be proactive instead of reactive with their life and start doing something now, I, I feel like that's a huge win because too many people wait for that. I got diagnosed with a disease. I lost my job. I was living in my, like you hear all those stories. And generally I feel like it's because people wait until they're out of options to go and do something. And I think you're a little bit of anomaly. I've listened to a lot of your other interviews and studied a lot of your stuff. And you're one of these people who was making good money and living a good quality of life, but you weren't getting that fulfillment and you knew there was something better out there for you. And I feel like most people who are traveling the world, making six plus figures and have that safety blanket don't take those steps. And even if they go and they decide they want something and they start watching some YouTube or taking some courses, reading some books, they don't actually take that step and really start actively going after this stuff. So what was it about you? Because that's not the normal story I hear. Yeah, I think I think to that point, it's there's so much friction. So like all of my circle of friends, which I, I still have that are engineers, grew up in that same household environment of like, go to school, get a job, get a great paying job. And you're in the top 1% now, why would you ever want to deviate from that? So if you're in your sphere of influence of who you're hanging around with and who you're spending time with, if they're, you know, if they're not encouraging or open-minded or educated or understand how capitalism works, how wealth is created, how freedom is created, then you're going to have all these people in your ear and all these influences that are like, what are you doing? Don't do that. You're crazy. That's way too risky. You're going to end up, you know, doing this or, or even the, the people that start to see that you're successful and gaining momentum. And then they start to um, project their insecurities on you. Like, oh, oh, you're this big hotshot now. And oh, you're 
you're doing all this stuff in social media. You, you know, you're, you don't have time for us anymore. It's like, mm -hmm. come on. So, but that's really what it is. It's, it's, it's about, it's that, that projecting that insecurity on other people. And that's what you have to realize is I, if I'm not surrounded by the right people that are going to encourage me to get curious, to seek the information, to get educated, then I'm not in the right circle of friends. I need to go find somebody that is doing something crazy and I need to talk to them and I need to figure out like, what is it about them that gave them the courage to do something crazy? And then I need to talk to a second person. I need to talk to a 10th person, right? And then you slowly start to, your your sphere grows. And I think most people are just, they don't have anyone else that is doing something bigger, greater, and and they cannot they cannot think, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. So they just continue down the same path as everyone else because they think it's normal. I think about that all the time. When I first started, I, I always look back and I remember I didn't know anybody who didn't live paycheck to paycheck. I didn't know anybody who knew anybody who didn't live paycheck to paycheck. So it was almost like talking about an alien. Like nobody's seen yeah. one before. Like they don't think they exist. And then you meet one one day and you're like, oh, wow. Like I remember the first time I, I met like a millionaire and I was like, but they're just a norm. I just talked to that person for an hour. I had no idea like who they were or what they did. And I think that starts to make you feel like, oh, there's like a normal person. And if they could do it, I can do it. And I feel like that that's a really good catalyst for me anyway to get things started. But then once you actually make that transition, the dropout rate is huge. And you and I started talking before we recorded it. And I'm glad you brought it up because especially like you said, you nailed it with people look at the social media and they go, oh, hot shot. He's, he's killing it right now. Ryan's got this. He's got that going on. But they only see the highlights. They don't see all the other stuff. And I think most people don't want to put the work in or they don't have that support team around them when things do get confusing or scary or nervous or you don't have the answers and get the analysis paralysis or you're just taking beatings because that's what business is a lot of the time they quit or they give up so i'd love to hear about how you've made your way through that the ups and downs especially with the stuff and the way the market's changing now to keep yourself in the fight every day yeah great point i think that really that it really fundamentally comes down to a mindset thing because in 2021, I think I spent like $180,000 investing on in myself just to be in rooms with people that were doing what I wanted to do. And last year, I'd have to look at the end of year financials, but I'd, I'd be willing to bet it was about a one and a half or even double that because I built my business virtually. Like I didn't even have I had very limited, I was in San Diego at the time and sure there's entrepreneurs there and everything, but like, I didn't have someone that I could go meet up with in person. So, which is hard, it's lonely. And like, if you're working from home or whatever, like you gotta, you have to force yourself. That's a lot of the reason why I pay so much to be in those rooms is because it stretches my mindset of what I think is possible and what I think I can do. And then when I pair that with action, I slowly build up confidence over time and my floor keeps rising, keeps rising, keeps rising. So uh, that was a that's why it took me three or four years to really go all in on entrepreneurship when I was working the corporate job is because I had a really hard time uh, understanding that what investing in myself really meant. And I get all a ton of people all the time when they inquire about doing mentorship or coaching with me that say, what is it going to cost? What is it going to cost? What is it going to cost? I understand the nature of the question, but 
what they're really at. They're not saying, what am I going to gain from this? And it's such a, that is such a big mindset shift. That's such a big mindset shift. It's like, what am I going to, like, am I actually going to get this money back? And if, if you don't really believe that you're investing in yourself, you're going to get money back, then you got some work to do up here. And you got to, you got to take some time to go through that education and action taking to build up the skills to then give yourself the confidence to keep elevating. And that's a slow process, but really it starts with looking at things like, what is this going to cost me to what is this going to gain me? Cause I now looking back, I wish I had started right away and I had invested way more money in myself, but that's, that's the conundrum that you have if you're, if you're in that small circle, like everyone is. I agree with that a thousand percent. I think part of what you were saying there also comes down to, I remember when I first started looking at uh, paying for a mentorship and immediately I was like, man, if I can do that and I can find a way to get that money, I had to borrow like it was a whole other thing, but I found a way to get the money and get somebody. But I remember thinking if I can get in that room where that guy's teaching that stuff, I'm going to be able to do that. And I think that there's that disconnect between people. They show up and they talk to you because they hope that there's a way they can live a better life or be successful. And I was just reading David Goggins new book. And he talked about the disconnect between hope and belief. And I never thought of it like that. Like people call you and they go, Hey man, what's it going to cost to work with you and have you change my future? And they hope that they can do it. And then the difference between them actually pulling the trigger and making that is they go, if I pay you, I believe that you're going to help me go there. And that I feel like is the biggest difference of saying like, I'm willing to invest myself or not. Because when you believe that when you align yourself with Ryan and you invest that type of money, that you're going to do your part and you're not going to fail and you're going to be successful, that risk of like, am I going to get that return is not even a question anymore. Yeah, I think it really, totally agree 100%. And you have to have that when you're starting something, this isn't a six month, I'll try it thing. This isn't a two years, I'll see what happens thing. This is I'm going to do this until I'm successful at it because it aligns with the life and vision that I want, which is right why I chose real estate as the vehicle, because I wanted location freedom, I wanted passive income, I wanted to, you know, have all the tax benefits, I wanted to, to be able to build wealth exponentially that way you can do that building any kind of business but for me real estate was the right thing to do um but it 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 does fundamentally start with like how do you how do you bridge that gap from i can't do that or must be nice he started with a bunch of money mm-hmm. what he's talking about is impossible he can do it but you know he must have had some luck along the way to let me take a really long view of this thing and this is really hard for people psychologically right like social media it's all about getting that immediate dopamine hit it's all about immediate gratification and and things happening fast and everyone looks like an overnight success and you really have to rein that in and take a super long view of it and not get discouraged along the way it's it's like it's no different than dieting or or being healthy or working out the people that aren't successful are the ones that go cold turkey for like three or four weeks. And then they're mentally, they can't handle it. Their body can't handle it. Cause they, they just went too hard, too fast. They burn out and they go back to their old habits. It's no different from a mindset perspective. When you're starting on your entrepreneurship journey, you got to really take a long view. 
I love that. I tell everybody like the mentorships and stuff that I've invested in, it wasn't about six months to a year. It was learning things and making relationships and connections for six months to a year to help you build well for the next six to 12 years, all for yeah. that six to 12 months. And so I love that. And my, one of my favorite quotes is if you don't quit, you can't fail. Like I'm, you know, big jujitsu guy, MMA guy on almost every gym that I go into for, for jujitsu, somebody has something on their wall that says a black belt is just a white belt who never quit. But everybody want to walk on, wants to walk in on day one and be a UFC fighter or be a black belt. And they don't realize that like, it's just black belts have just taken their beatings every day and kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And that's the same type of thing. I think we all see, like when you get in those rooms with other guys, like the pace Morbies or you're in the collective geniuses or whatever it might be. And you start to see like, everybody's been dealing with the same thing. And we're just the guys who kept showing up and figure a way to not take that same beating we took yesterday as bad as we took it. So just living to fight another day. I think that that's a huge point. Yeah, absolutely. And then what's funny is then when you're in the same room as them and they're like, yeah, man, like I went through the exact same stuff and, and, and you can connect with, that's what's so cool about being in those rooms is once you, you get to the the layer deeper about like what actually got them to this point. And you find out a lot of times it's a decade, two decades, multiple uh, partnership fallouts, lawsuits, people stealing <laughs> money from them. Uh, I mean, really tough stuff. And most of them have gone through quite, quite a few cycles of that at some point in their life. But the, the different, like we talked about earlier, the difference is the floor rises each time. Each time they go through that, that concept of the valley of death, where in order to level up, you got to really go through a lull, right? And embracing that, knowing that it's going to raise your floor to the next time. Whereas if they, if you, like, if I lost everything today, I, it doesn't matter because my floor is this, my financial thermostat is this. So that's my new starting point. And it wouldn't take me near as much time to get back to where I am because I have the skills built up. I love that, man. So talking about now transitioning in, you decide you want to get into real estate. And I think the time that I started 15 years ago, there wasn't excess info everywhere, every day on every Instagram page and all the YouTube stuff. So it's almost too much information. And, and I know you've talked a lot about shiny object syndrome. So I love bigger pockets. Love those guys. David and Brandon have been on the show a bunch of times, but I think you can listen to things like that or get on somebody's YouTube and then they talk about flipping and then wholesaling and then wholetailing and then sub two and multifamily and storage units. And you go, this is all great. Where do I start? And you're always chasing the different thing. And then you yeah. never get off the ground. You yeah. manage to take that and realize, okay, I'm going to look at this, but now I'm going to hyper-focus on one thing and just crush that thing. So how did you overcome the shiny object syndrome, which I think is tougher probably today than it ever has been to get over yeah, I think it it all starts, you got to think what aligns with my vision, but at, at the genesis of everything, it really all starts with sales, like every product, every, and in the real estate equivalent of that is finding the deal and sourcing the deal, both, both finding the opportunity and then selling it to an investor or, or part, you know, pitching a partnership or whatever, but it, it really starts with uh, developing those sales skills, like active listening, um, asking the right questions to reveal information and understanding how a, a just lead generation in general works for everything and how your lead funnel starts like this with a bunch of people and it dwindles its way down to 
less and less and less to get to your qualified leads? And then how are you servicing those leads and turning them into potential opportunities? So for me, when I was looking at everything and I was hearing all that, for me, it all started with the deal. Like if you don't find the deal, then what you do afterwards, it doesn't matter at all, <laughs> right? It doesn't. You can't do multifamily without finding a multifamily deal. You can't do commercial. You can't do mobile home parks. You can't, right? So that was just plainly how I looked at it. And it doesn't matter what your product is, but if you don't have a product, that's your first problem. So you got to have something to offer a value first. So you got to pick and, and you got to know that it's not going to take six months to get something legit. It's going to take multiple years for me to build up that skill and, and do that and do that. And the way that I would narrow it down from your potential options is what is my biggest source of pain in my life right now? So for me, when I was working as an engineer, uh, I, they used to make me travel all over the world and stuff on short no notice, which was fun. But then the, I was in Taiwan for six weeks one time and Thanksgiving was coming up and my boss, I had a call with my boss and I was supposed to come home the week before Thanksgiving. And he was basically like, sorry, you can't leave. You got to stay there. And I was like, what? I've already been here for six weeks. I'm coming home. No, no, no. You, you have to stay there. He made me miss Thanksgiving and like stay through. And so for me, that was a big source of pain where I was like, wait a minute, someone has someone's using me as a puppet and I have no control in my life, even though I'm making a bunch of money, like at any moment in time, I don't have true freedom. So that was my pain. And I was like, how do I get financial freedom to where I don't need that job? And that was real estate. So it, it, if you like what you're doing right now, and that's not really an issue for you, then I would say you don't need to necessarily pick something else, but that's how I would go through that thought process is like, what is my biggest source of pain and what vehicle aligns, like would get me there fastest really. So for me, that was, that was wholesaling. Like if I find a couple deals, you know, in a couple months, then I'm going to replace my income already. So. I think that that's excellent. I was actually going to direct right into that next question. So what was it about wholesaling that you picked and what type of strategies were you using? And Backing that whole thing up, I think your advice of it all starts with the deal is one of the most relevant things. If you take nothing away from the podcast, it's that. Well, what about the if the market does this, or am I going to rent it? Am I going to flip my contract? Is my none of it matters if there's no deal. Like it all starts with the deal. So I think that that's huge. And now, uh, so your acquisition strategies for wholesaling, I I try and point out like the wholesaling part of it is just the exit strategy. It's still the same mechanics for acquiring the deal. So what are some of your favorite ways to acquire deals on and off market? Yeah, I would recommend everyone start with outbound, which is uh, cold calling, texting, um, you know, out hard, cold outreach to people because is it the most efficient? Not really, but it's the cheapest. And it really develops your sales skills and talking with people and negotiating. And those are foundational skills that once you start adding inbound channels, pay-per-click, SEO, direct mail, um, 
TV, radio, whatever it is, you're going to be able to to implement those sales skills you learned and just catapult your conversion rate way up because you have the skills. If you start with inbound first, because you have the money, that's great, but your cost per lead is going to be super high and you don't really want to be learning your sales skills on the fly when you're, when a thousand dollar lead is coming in and you're like, uh, uh, I, I don't know what to say. So I would start with outbound, but eventually outbound gets less and less scalable. Outbound is cheaper. So again, it's great because if you have time, not money, then that's the way to go and you can develop your skills and it doesn't cost a lot, but then it gets to a point where it's not really scalable and it's hard. So you want to add some inbound channels um, once you have some capital built up um, to do that. So right now what's working for us, um, we had a really good run in the last four or five months with pay-per-click. Um, we are, we haven't done TV before, but we're adding that soon. Um, but cold calling and texting still account for over half of our deal flow. So uh, there's just less people doing it too, it, because it is harder. And if something is harder, for me, that means that it's worth doing because there's less people doing it. Like it's no different than what are you using for your data for your list source, right? Are you using listsource.com? Are you using PropStream? Are you using one of these big list providers that everyone and their mother uses? Or are you getting that janky PDF file from the county court steps that has the tax delinquent information that's really hard to read that you have to talk to six people to get because all the other five told you that it doesn't exist, but it really does exist. Uh, and then you're driving for dollars list because that's unique to you. Those lists are going to way outperform against like pressing the easy button or doing the hard thing. Those lists are going to way outperform anything that's available. Um, so if something is hard, I generally like to lean into that in business because um, if it doesn't work, I'll I'll fail and I'll learn a lot from it. But they generally work more than they don't because there's less people doing it. I love that. You know, it's interesting with the market changing. I'm hearing people now talk about we're not doing off market anymore. Now we're going to realtors. And I'm like, good, go talk to the realtors and why everybody's now going back on market. I'll go back. So something's always working. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of shifting it around. I haven't had many people come on and talk about driving for dollars. Talk, talk a little bit about how you use that strategy. Yeah. So uh, if our guys now with the team, right, if, if our guys are going on an appointment with a seller then they'll take five or 10 minutes uh, before or after the appointment just to drive around that neighborhood and know five, anywhere from five to 10 properties. So now we have a list of over 20,000 records of properties that have looked in some sort of physical distress, like you know the roof is caving in or there's paint chipping or the, the lawn is overgrown or there's junk cars in the driveway, things that might indicate some type of financial distress. So um, that's a that's a list that's only uh, you that's unique to you, and that that produces that far out produces any other list that we use on a regular basis. That's awesome. I got to add that a little bit more to my stuff. So talking about wholesaling, I like the idea. I heard you say it, and I, I love it that you basically get first right of refusal, and you can pick the best, and you can wholesale the rest. So you get the acquisition strategy. You look at the deals, and you pick the ones that fit your buy box the best. And then you get the other ones there. So you can basically monetize everything. What is your decision process for what you hold 
versus what you wholesale versus maybe what you do some sort of creative finance or wholesale on? Like, how does your exit strategy process decision tree work? Yeah, I would say even, even before that, it starts with the marketing. Like, what are you marketing? So in the past six months, just with, what, with what's happened with interest rates in the market and most markets in a pretty steep decline right now, we're hyper-focused on the under-median price point uh, marketing in also in really desirable areas. So we're talking in, in our market in Boise, that's anything under like 400,000 because all that stuff is still moving pretty quickly because it's affordable. So all your FHA buyers, all your, so that's stuff that we're targeting a lot now, whereas in the old interest environment, there's a lot of trade up, like people wanted to sell their property to trade up for a new thing because money was really cheap. And so you're over 400, you're 800 plus the luxury builds, you could make gigantic spreads because the market was appreciating. So I think first it's taught, it starts with what are you actually targeting? And then uh, the second part of your, sorry, the second part of your question was. I uh, just, what your decision tree for what you're going to exit yeah. with creative financing, hold hotel wholesale. Yeah. So uh, I got into real estate because I like the the passive income. So if it's a creative deal that cash flows with a low down payment and I can cash flow day one, nine times out of 10, I'm going to do everything I can to keep that. So that's a, a subject to or a seller finance, a non-cash deal. Um, if it's a cash deal, I would say most of the time we're either going to look to to wholesale that or flip it just because it's it's all about cash conversion and getting our money back and then reinvesting back into the business and and doing that. But um, so that's kind of the first criteria. I would say second criteria is what what's the location? Like, is it in a really desirable place where you can get really good tenants and or is it not in a good place? Or maybe do we have, you know, five of our crews working jobs in this county? And so if we took on a flip or or even a rental project in another county, that just it's going to spread us too thin. And then the third thing is where is the business in our in our cash position? Um, and that's something in the last six months we've had to really maybe prioritize above the other two because. When the market's declining, you want to be stacking cash to capitalize on new opportunities. And so really at this time, if you're not, if you're not stacking cash, you should be, you should be prioritizing that. And that means you're probably going to be wholesaling most things because you're building up your cash position to basically gain market share at this time, hire new people, invest more in marketing, um, because there's just more opportunities. Before there was so limited opportunities, the market was crazy, competition was crazy. Um, but now it's it's really all about stacking the cash to position yourself to attack. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you wanna sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Reach out to me on any of my social media channels. You will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. 
Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love that, man. I think that's great advice. You touched on uh, potentially holding more passive income with some things like subject twos. Do you have some sort of criteria for what you would take on there as far as the equity position? Because I know I've talked to some of them that they'll pick up anything, even if it's negative equity. But then my concern with those is I generally like to have like 20, 25% equity in just in case the due on sale clause gets called, I can still go refinance or I can cash out. But I know that some people have workarounds for there. What's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think if that's a fear of yours, you can usually get due on sale insurance. Um, so I think that typically costs anywhere from like one to one and a half percent of the purchase. Um, so you can get that. Uh, for me, I've never had the due on sales um, clause get called. The number one reason it does get called is because the seller takes home insurance out of their name. So as long as you're really communicating with a seller up front, like, hey, this is in our contract, the home insurance has to re remain in your name. The payment uh, usually it also includes taxes and insurance in their monthly payment, right? So as long as you don't touch that, we're still going to get our own homeowner's insurance on top of that, but don't touch that. That'll solve 99.9% .9 of your due on sale clause issues. Um, so, but if you still want to get the due on sale clause insurance, you can. Uh, when we're looking at a property though, how much work is needed is kind of the tiebreaker there for me. If it's pristine, which by the way, right now, like four out of our last six sub two deals in the last couple of months have been on 2020 or newer builds huh? because people, people just bought them in the last year and they've lost 20, 30% of their values. So they're already underwater. That's an example of one where if I'm, if there's not any equity, but I can still cash flow or the interest rate, I'm knocking off a lot of principal every month. That's a situation where I'm okay with not having equity because it doesn't need any work at all. If it, if it needs, and that's, that's if you're coming in with little to no money, like less than a 5% down, right? That's really important to throw in there. So um, otherwise, if it needs a lot of work, I'm not really okay with, uh, I'm not okay with a, a zero equity situation or limited equity situation because my cash up front outlay for, then I'm just basically getting a cash on cash return, right? I have the down payment and I have uh, money to put into the, to the repair costs, the condition to get it up to the right standard to get the, this rent. And then I'm just making cash flow on the rent to offset my down payment. And I'm not going to refinance it because the rate is probably really good. And that's why I bought it in the first place. So if it's that kind of situation, we'll either close on it and wrap it to another buyer, or we'll just wholesale it to typically an owner occupant, like somebody that can't qualify for a conventional mortgage. Maybe they're a 1099 worker. Maybe they're a landscaper that started business a year and a half ago, but they're not really lendable, but they're bringing in a lot of income and sitting on a down payment. Those are some of your best buyers for those properties because they don't have any other choice. They're not going to be able to buy. They can't qualify. So that's why the sub twos are so valuable because your buyer base expands with all the people that just can't qualify with a regular 
mortgage. So that's such a huge thing. I, I, I wholesaled some lease options last year, but wholesaling sub twos, I really like it. And I, I love having conversations like this because what you just went over, like it, it's never a straight answer. It's gotta be, you know, it depends not only on the deal, but your current business situation, the time and the like, this is part of why I like digging in because everybody just wants to just tell me what to do. It's like, well, it depends. Like, you know, I get the people, Hey, I was going to buy this house. They were asking a hundred thousand on Zillow. Should I have bought it? It's like, I have, you, are you really, you, you want an answer? Like just, there's so many different variables that have to go into it, but taking that one step further. Now, where's the liability. If you wholesale a sub two, are you having them sign off something of like, you know, if you stop paying this or this goes South or you get like, I'm out of this, you can't come back to me for any of that stuff. Yeah, of course. And we, we, so if we're wholesaling it, we are heavily vetting the buyer. It has to be someone we've worked with previously that is providing us proof of funds, proof, proof of income, proof of pay stubs. Um, we don't do a credit check because that doesn't necessarily matter. But if someone's bringing in a, you know, double what the monthly payment is or triple what the monthly payment is, and they can show that they can reasonably afford that or if it's an investor that we know is going to buy it and put a renter in there anyways and the renter is going to be the one paying then there's really no all the payments get made direct deposited in and out of a, a third-party servicing company either at your title company or you can hire like an evergreen or some of these no servicers um so there's not really like if there's a renter in there they're the ones that are paying it so uh, but we do we do vet that a bunch ahead of time. And then, yes, both in our um, contract and in our assignment contract uh, or in our sale contract, we're disclosing, over-disclosing, hey, this is what could happen. These are the potential risks. This is why it may may or may not make sense for you. Do you understand the risks, right? And as long as you're super upfront with people and setting the right expectations, they may have some questions and they may decide it's not for them. but the benefits so far outweigh um, potential risks. That's why sub twos are the best. That's why creative finance is the best, really, because you get to negotiate all your own terms. Yeah. No, I love that. Shout out to Pace. He was on this podcast as well, and I'm part of his group as well. So that's nice. a great strategy. And I, I I love it because it's a, it's literally a time machine right now where everybody kicks themselves of like, oh, man, if I just would have bought a property when rates were two and three, it's like this literally allows you to go and buy stuff years early. So it's just cool, man. It gets me excited. So you're also very unique in the sense that you live all over the world. Right now you're in London, but you have deals going. I know you've done mostly in Boise. I know you were going to branch out to some other markets, but what is your onboarding and ongoing communication look like on a daily or weekly basis with your teams? So every morning we have a daily huddle and uh, it's with where we're at right now. Uh, the first third of it is construction focused. What are our current projects, remodels? Um, do we need work at, on certain properties or whatever? Do we need bids on our bigger jobs to renegotiate deals? Uh, and then the second two thirds of it is really sales focused. What do we have in the pipeline? What's coming in? What's What, are, what appointments do we have this week? Um, and then really the rest of the day is in my two COOs hands. Uh, so I've got a COO for the construction part and then I got a COO for um, the you know lead generation front end uh, deal stuff and they'll they'll run the show for most of the day through there of course I'm available but uh, most of my focus now is on um, relationships it's the longer 
game stuff, relationships, private money raising, um, some really big new build multifamily projects we have going that are insanely profitable that we're really excited about. Like, which by the way, none of the, I would have never been able to do build apartments in a matter of five years if I had never figured out how to first source a deal and wholesale a deal and then get myself in those rooms for people to teach me how to do that, right? And so that's where I would, all this stuff comes for full circles. It's like, I would have, for me to build apartments, it would have taken like 20 years if I just did it on my own. Whereas providing value, starting with sourcing the deal has now leveled me, raise, again, raising the floor to this point where I'm in a room with people that I can learn how to build apartments from. And that's exactly what happened. So um, now I'm in a position where the wholesale company, especially in this past six months, has needed significant adjustments with what's happened in the market. So I'm diving, I'm getting more hands-on in the sales training and getting my, my hands dirty again um, as the owner. But uh, a majority of my time in a stable market is spent on the on the longer term visionary, true visionary role. That's awesome. And we're using like WhatsApp and Slack and stuff like that to just be plugged yeah. in throughout the day. So yeah, Slack is phenomenal. Slack is game changing. You you probably gain back like a third of your of your day <laughs> just from using Slack because it cuts down on all the email. Oh yeah. My email is out of control right now. So agree. Slack's more direct. Um, the other, so the last thing that you just mentioned that I definitely just want to touch on before we change directions, yeah. what stuff are you doing right now to adjust in the, for like, for the changes in the market? Cause I know like some of those markets that are red hot, they also crash a lot the other way. And what you're doing by being on top of that and pivoting, I think is smart because people don't account for the exit and for the adjustments. So what types of things are you doing to keep yourself safe in the transition? Yep. So we used to, we used to touch the um, the luxury market and the higher price stuff. Once things started changing, we got hyper focused on the median price point and below uh, because that's where where the buyers are. So we made a big adjustment to our marketing, and we also went back into we were doing sub twos and creative finance before, but everyone the market was so crazy. People just wanted cash, 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 um, and and they were getting it. So we really went back to the drawing board and we were like, how can we triple, quadruple our creative deal flow? And it, it really just came back to training and, and getting our hands dirty in that because what we found was when the market was changing, our buyers would still buy, like if we were wholesaling, our buyers would still buy creative deals, but they would not touch cash deals. So we really doubled and tripled down on refining those skills again for creative deals, simple stuff, right? Role-playing, um, you know, phone skill, uh, phone sales basics, asking the right questions, uh, pitching things a certain way. We we started doing some novations too, in addition to the creative finance stuff. Like when we walk, we wanted to be the ones where when we walk into a seller's home, we've got option A, B, C, D, E, and F, which one do you want? Whereas your normal buyer and 99% of everyone else is just coming in like, here's your cash offer, or we can list it. And that just, that's not going to work in this, in this market. You got to have multiple tools in your tool belt and you got to be 
proficient at explaining all of them. So it really just comes back to refining your skills for a pivoting market. And I think this is the best time in history to buy creative finance deals. So if you're not doing that, shoot me a message. I can help you. You know, we were one of the original sub two members too. I mean, Pace's group is incredible. Um, but that is really where all this wealth is going to be created uh, in the next few years. I love that, man. And on the, on the disposition side, what stuff have you changed uh, to adjust for the disposition side? Yeah, so um, we've, we've had to spend way more time on it. Like, <laughs> before, it was probably, like truthfully, before we probably spent 90% of our time on dispo and 10 or 90% of our time on acquisition and 10% on dispo. Now it's very 50-50, huh. very 50-50. Because if we got a deal back then, it would sell itself. Now we actually have to do the same kind of outreach we do for sellers. We got to... We got to call them. We got to text them. Hey, are you still buying? Hey, what areas are you buying in? Hey, what's your buying criteria? There's way more like you actually have to try now to develop relationships with your buyers and you should be on what they want and what they're looking for. And you'll start to see some similarities with people on what they're actually wanting to buy. So then you can adjust your marketing criteria on the front end. But it's it. I guess for starters, it's really comes down to when we get a property under contract, we're not just blasting it out to our lists. We're blasting it out to our lists. We're posting it on multiple Facebook pages. We're putting on Facebook marketplace. We're putting it on Craigslist. We're skip tracing all the neighbors of the property and calling on them. We are calling, looking at previous listings in the neighborhood, calling on those agents, seeing if they had any offers that didn't get selected on all the surrounding properties around there, if they have any buyers. Like we're doing literally all those steps in our dispo process now that we weren't doing it all before. That's awesome stuff, man. I love the transition. So it's it's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of things and I tell everybody there's fortunes to be made and lost in a transitioning market. You have to have systems and processes in place for those safety nets so you don't get your butt kicked, which is why I think having people like you that have already been through that, that are so active in in the markets and know what's happening and they're doing these adjustments to me that's worth the investment every day that's why i've always invested in people to keep me safe and give me those shortcuts so talk about now what you're doing you started the coaching program what does that look like how are you helping people like go through a little of the ins and outs of what that's what what your coaching program entails sure so we got a we have a group program and then we've got a, a private uh one-on-one -on -one program the one-on-one -on -one program does have a bit of a waiting list right now um both you know, we do an initial application, fill that, fill out a questionnaire. Um, the group sessions tend to be, uh, there's a topic of the day that we talk about, or maybe I'll bring in someone from Collective Genius to talk about a certain topic or other people, right? Um, but the private is really, uh, what are your daily struggles and what do you need help with right now that's going to give you an immediate uh, boost? So um, everyone's on a different path and different level, but would say a majority of the people that I work with, they're, they've done their first deal. Um, maybe they've done their second or third, or maybe they're doing a deal every other month or once every three or four months, but it's their solopreneur. So how to get them from a solopreneur to start building a business that actually serves them and not the other way around. Uh, because I see a lot of people that get into this and you can go be 
Michael Jordan if if you want to for and make a crazy amount of money and be super lean and not really have any employees, but it's all on you, right? You're not in the owner's box. It's all on you. So what you produce, that will eventually, you'll get tired of that eventually. So um, that's the conversation that I have with people is I know it's scary to hire employees. It's time consuming to train people and have them leave or have to fire them and also have to pay them. But what's the alternative? Because you can't do, otherwise you're just doing what you did before until you're 60 or 65. <laughs> you, just, you just created another, another job for yourself. So there is no alternative. Let's get 5% of your time back. Let's get 15% of your time back. Let's get, and let's start building this into a business that serves you. I think that's incredible, man. So is it um, like weekly, monthly Zooms, phone calls? Is there like a, a, a group that they can interact? Yeah, there's, it's bi-weekly right now. Yeah. So we have a, we have a pretty small group. Uh, you can get, there's guys all over the country that are doing different stuff. Um, but it, we actually meet, um, twice a month. So that's awesome both for the group and uh, private clients. So if you guys want any information on that, shoot me a message. Uh, probably, probably Instagram is the best place to reach me at Weimer investments. And we'll see if we're a good fit. Um, because a lot of people that we that apply, I'm the first one to say, hey, don't listen to all these gurus out here that tell you to just buy their program and spend the money. If you're not already educated to some level or have done your first deal, everything out there that you need to do your first deal is available for free. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, YouTube, podcasts. Everything that you need to do your first deal is available for free. So please don't spend your nest egg on coaching day one. Spend it on marketing and spend it on building skills first. And then once you've gotten your hands dirty, you get it and you've done it a couple of times. That's when you really want the coach to propel you upwards. So don't do it too fast. We turn a lot of, away a lot of people that I'm not saying don't seek mentorship or don't seek that, but your money is best spent when you're starting out on marketing and, and getting leads. Cause that's what, that's what brings in the revenue. I love it, man. So uh, Instagram, any other ways to connect with you, to find you, to follow you, to work with you? Yeah. You can go to weimerinvestments.com as well. And we've got uh, just an overview of all the stuff that we're working on right now. We've got you know, if, if you're just looking, if you're not really looking to do any of your own deals, but you want to get a guaranteed secured return, we've got quite a few uh, multifamily projects, both existing and new builds. Um, so we can schedule a call, talk about that if you want to be an investor. Um, if you're interested in, you know, doing the wholesaling or just really starting your own path to financial freedom, even if it's not real estate, I can definitely help uh, be an advocate for you and help you because a lot of people helped me to get to this point and it's uh that's what it's all about that's what you know giving back and having that abundance mindset um it, it's it's that go-giver mentality of anything that you give value to now you're going to get tenfold in the future and that's really true i love that man you have brought your a-game to everything you do it's not a surprise at all that you're so successful and you have definitely brought your A-game to this podcast today, sir. I very much appreciate it. I harassed you to come on for a long time. I really liked everything you were putting out. And I appreciate you being patient with me and giving your time today to me and to listeners. I thought it was uh, amazing value, a ton of stuff to unpack there. I thought you did a fantastic job and I very much appreciate it. Do you have any final thoughts before we let you go for the day? 
Yeah, guys, um, we just did a deal a couple months ago, $0 down, 0% interest. It was a dinky mobile home on land that nobody wanted. And uh, we got it under contract and then called the lot next door who turned out to call the neighbor, right? This is one of our dispo strategies. And he happened to be a developer and was going to build some townhomes. So we sold the land to him for basically nothing in exchange for a finished townhome free and clear at the end of his project, which is he's now broken ground on. So you can, I know this sounds insane. Do these opportunities happen all the time? No, but they happen often enough and they are real. I mean, zero money down. I, we, we've produced a new townhome out of thin air, out of nothing. <laughs> and that's what the power of creative finance is and why this stuff is so cool because there's so much freedom to create and just build just exponential wealth for yourself. And this stuff is real. So I know it sounds crazy. Like I couldn't do that, but you do, you, you talk to enough people, you generate enough leads. These kind of home runs do happen. So it's all up here. It's all a mindset thing. Like we talked about before. So work on that mindset and work out on who you surround yourself with and expanding that belief in yourself. And you'll slowly build up confidence over time that you can do it too. And you'll start creating some pretty drastic results. So that's incredible, man. What a great story. So um, anybody also listening, I'm going to put all the show notes to connect with Ryan on there. And I highly suggest look him up on other podcasts because we were talking about it before. You can literally hear his entire journey over the last few years as he progresses on podcasts. So I'm very excited to continue to listen and watch you grow and all the stuff you're doing, man. You've been very inspirational to me. I'm sure you're doing the same for a lot of other people. Thank you so much for coming on today. Ryan Weimer, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Love it. Thanks, man. You're so